At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. At the Retire Sooner Network, a core tenet of the happy retiree's mindset is to think of income as a river, not a reservoir. We encourage retirees to have multiple streams of income, and these often include investment income, social security, pension, and even part-time work for a lot of folks. A popular income stream for many retirees, though, is income generated from real estate investment properties. These often range from a house that's two streets over that you purchased at a good price and rent out, or maybe you purchased a condo for your child when they went off to college for them and their roommates to rent out. Or perhaps you even purchased a commercial property, like a strip mall that's just down the street. The world of real estate investing is vast, which is why this week we've brought in a longtime real estate investor, Tom Moore. Tom is a partner and senior investment advisor at Capital Investment Advisors. In addition to working with happy retirees, he spent more than a decade investing in real estate. Today, he's going to help us understand some of the different nuances of investing in real estate and how the happy retiree can think about it in relation to their retirement portfolio. I'm Wes Moss, and I am here to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. To reach that many folks takes the work of more than just me or one person. And I have a fantastic team behind the Retire Sooner podcast. And I've decided to bring them in to help address some of the questions and topics that you've sent us. You're about to hear from my team members with answers that can hopefully help Americans retire sooner and happier. And I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Tom, thank you for joining us. Well, Mallory, thanks for having me. So excited to have you here. So, Tom, I want to hear, just real quick, I want to hear your best real estate investment story, and I want to hear your worst real estate investment story. Tell, tell me about the money that you made and the money that you lost. <laughs> well, it's always fun to start talking about you know, actual results, right? Exactly. <laughs> not, That's... Just, not just talking uh, high-level theory, but... Um, <laughs> But no, so if if you look back over at my um, you know last fifteen years and, and I've done uh, quite a few deals, any, you know I've done small stuff and I've done you know kind of medium sized stuff. But um, I, I would say probably the um, the worst real estate purchase that I made, worst real estate investment, uh, would have been a house that I bought um, towards the end of two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. It was one that I was actually um, in buying just to kind of try to kind of get my feet into the market and understand the real estate process. So you're saying it was essentially, uh, this one cost you your education well, as opposed to a student loan, you bought a house. That, that's right. That's right. You could look at it that way. Um, you know, I would tell you it still didn't end up being that bad of an investment though. I mean, okay. I, I held it for quite a few a few years and on paper, it wasn't great. I probably paid in the low 200s for it, rented it for 10 years and then sold it for mid 200. So that's not bad. Especially I'm assuming you were cash flowing those years too. Yeah. Still ended up doing okay on it. You know, on paper, you know, there would certainly would have been better options than that. But, um, but I would, I would, to your point, chalk that up to, um, you know, getting an education on what you're doing and leading to being able to do future deals and improve that, um, you know, as we, with, with each deal. 
Um, as far as the the best deal I've done, I mean, yeah, hang on, because if that's your worst deal, I'm very excited to hear about your best. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's again, I would have to put pencil to paper to say, okay, this was the best one. But there's still, you know, if you look at pretty much anything that was bought in the 2000 and you know eight to 2012 timeframe, um, and you look at what that would be worth today, I mean, it's it's pretty staggering the change. You that know, is. So, you know, some of the properties that I've um, done have been, like I was have said, value-add um, properties. And so you're buying things that are typically vacant, you're putting money into them, and then you're holding them and stabilizing them. And something that, you know, you could have paid $50,000 for and probably put another hundred into it, you know, would now be worth 500000 or more, you know, in a wow. lot of cases. Well, and you think about how rewarding that's got to be because you're also going into a community and helping. You're helping those neighbors that live there. You're helping the neighborhood. You're helping, um, you know, you're... You know, you're providing a, um, a a nice place to live for a whole lot of people. You know, which is which is very which is very much needed these days. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, that it does not sound like a bad gig financially either. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just like anything. Though it takes, it doesn't happen automatically, right? You have to you have to do the work. Um, you have to um, take the risk. You have to do the work, and you have to make it happen. This is often one of our more popular topics that I think we are asked by different folks. And I think it's because real estate is one of those things. It's so tangible. You put your money into it. You see it. You can drive by it. You interact with the people who are living in it or renting out the space from you. And I think that tends to draw in a lot of people and especially these happy retirees. Have you found that to be the case? That, that's correct. Uh, actually, you control it. I would even add that to it. You know, you control your investment, which is a which is a key factor for a lot of people. That's an interesting thought, and I can definitely see that. What, can you expand a little bit? What do you mean by that? Uh, meaning that, unlike a stock or bond, um, you actually have control over the success of your investment. Um, yeah. Not maybe not total control, but you have a you know control over a you're a, a large factor in the success of it. Oh, I do like that. I do. Was that part of the reason that it drew you? Well, yeah, definitely. If you look at the different ways to invest in real estate, you can invest through a, a real estate fund. You can invest through a real estate investment trust, or you can buy physical real estate. And yeah. in that very much is the case. You have control over physical real estate like you do not have uh, in these other areas. I want to get into a little bit more those different options that people have. So we're definitely going to talk about that. But before we do, I want to give our listeners a bit more of background on your experience in working with real estate and how you got into it and and what you do. Because to be fair, I think that there's plenty of people out there who like to say that, you know, they invest in real estate. And, you know, what, what does that even mean? Uh, you know, maybe like they lucked out and inherited a property or something. You, you never really know. Sure, sure, sure. So, um so to get back to, to my background in real estate, then I started buying real estate um, really just before the financial crisis, uh, oh. t- 2007. Oh, no, that's when you started? Well, well, I started, but I knew that, we, but it was common knowledge at that time that we were about to go through a financial crisis. And, oh, hang on, and, hang on. I'm well, so confused. take a step back. Okay. It, there was a... It, the, it was, the writing was on the wall oh. that we were entering a real estate um, bubble, so okay. to speak. And, and, and actually, when I got in in 2007, the very tail end of 2007, you know, I got in um, just as things were kind of starting to, to turn over and start 
starting to turn down. But in, in most people may look at that and say, well, that's a, a terrible timing. But, yeah. but I was going into it under the impression that I was going to be buying a lot of properties over a lot of years. Oh. And so that was a very good time to be starting. And, oh, uh, okay. And so just like, you know, just like most people, I started uh, with um, a, a house, a single house um, that led to then another house that then led to um, uh, multifamily properties that then led to commercial properties. And so uh, if you look back at 2007, I probably bought one to two properties every year, probably for the next uh, nine, 10 years um, after that. And um, and if you look back at it, my only uh, regret is that I didn't buy more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great regret to have. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So it's, you know, for me, it was a very successful um you know, very successful venture. Mm-hmm. I haven't really bought, uh, you know, a whole lot the last, um, the last, I would say three years. You know, I've really been kind of on the on the other side of that now. I've yeah. tried to yeah, tried to sell the properties that I that were um, my, you know, I would say probably not my top tier properties. I've sold those. I've tried to pay off debt. You know, tried to do all those types of things. You know, now that the market has has changed. Well, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about this, but I do want to make sure our listeners are aware. We're recording this right now. Uh, just a few days before the new year of 2022. So um, I think everybody who's listening has probably seen the prices for real estate, and especially over the last three years, have seemed to dramatically increase, um, almost concerningly so. So it makes sense to me that you'd be taking advantage of that and and offloading currently. I do want to talk through, though, you know, we often hear talk about the idea of perfection versus participation with market timing. And, you know, normally we're talking about stocks, bonds, investing in that type of thing. But you're talking about real estate and sort of getting in right when, you know, the now to be fair, the market was turning. But I still think it's it's interesting to hear. It's kind of like, you know, purchasing at the high, right? And and yet it's still been lucrative? Uh, well, it yes, it, it was and it has been. Um, but I bought most of those properties um, during the downturn. Ah, you know? okay. So, yeah. um, so that, was, that was a great time to be yeah, buying. <laughs> yeah. and, and, th- and really getting, st- I mean, you got to think that was 15 years ago. I mean, I was, you know, I was what, 30, I was in my late 20s, you know, when I started. So I really didn't know a whole lot about what I was doing initially. And I knew that. And uh, the um, my uh, first purchase was trying to buy just a you know just a normal house again, not really worrying about necessarily the value going up or down, but just trying to become familiar with the process of buying a piece of real estate um, and the process of getting it stabilized and getting it rented out, finding a tenant, you know, all of that. I wanted in my mind at that time, I wanted to have all of that down before I really started, you know, buying multiple properties, and that was you know that's kind of how I did it. That makes a lot of sense. So, And would you recommend that as a learning path for any of our listeners who are maybe interested in getting into real estate investing? Just get started, get familiar. That, that's right. I, I, look, a lot of uh, a lot of clients that I talk to um, have the best intentions of, of, of buying real estate. And, you know, and even, you know, over the years, many have talked about buying real estate, but in, re- in actuality, very few do. And, uh, you know, and that's because, you know, it's a huge purchase. Um, it's a big risk. It's very time consuming, you know, all of those types of things. So, I, And know, all that sounds very intimidating. Yeah, well, it, it is until you do it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but once you do it, you, then then you know how to do it. And it's not a big deal going forward. So, 
you know, you just want to look at what you're buying and, you know, what the, you know, I always look at the worst case scenario, right? Okay, mm-hmm. if I buy this, what is the absolute worst case scenario? And, you know, in the worst case scenario in that instance is you buy a house, um, you don't find a tenant for it, something happens, you have to do a repair and then you sell it. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay, so, yeah. you know, it, okay, I can live with that downside. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. in my mind, that was, you know, that was my thought process in getting into it. You know, you're um, on the on the flip side. You know, the um, the upside is you can, you know, you have a successful project, and then you keep trying to get it better and better and better and better. You know, with each future purchase. Um, and so that's, you know, that was really my mindset. And 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 I would tell you, you know, after the first. I would say two purchases. Um, most everything that I bought um, throughout the crisis was some type of what they call value add opportunity, uh-huh. meaning that it was when you walked into it, it was either um, you know in uh, in disrepair, it was sometimes partially vacant. Um, so you know, it th- sounds there... like my house currently just we're all on the same page. My, I love my house; it's a hundred years old, um, and it's so super cute. Part of the reason I love it is because it's a hundred years old and it's got a lot of personality. But oh my gosh, all I've got so many projects that I need to work on with that thing. There's a lot of value add that could be had. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and those types of projects, again, for the for someone that's not in the business of or not actively doing projects, can be very daunting. And, and it looks like something you may not want to own, but you have to go in, you know, with with that in mind that, OK, this is what I'm looking for. And then I've got a game plan to stabilize it, find tenants for it and, you know, for it to become a, um, you know, a normal active property. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, let me ask you, because obviously, again, things have changed over the last few years, and, and we we don't know the future here. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but that said, do you think there's still opportunity out there for people to find these value-add properties, or do you think that are there different methodologies that people could be trying out with real estate right now? I know you're currently divesting yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, well, I've had most success finding these value-add properties. So, and when I say value-add, I mean, it could be a host of different things. But but most, even outside of the financial crisis, you know, the purchases that I have made have have been some properties that have some sense of duress to them mm-hmm. uh, or, or distress, you know. So it's, um, you know, they, and, and, and it could be a whole host of reasons. You know, it could be mm. that the owner has, you know, is out an out-of-town owner, could be that the owner is, uh, you know, is just doesn't have the capital to maintain the building. Um, I mean, it could be something could be wrong with, um, you know, some of the something going on in the neighborhood that's that's a detract that's some type of factor. So, oh, that makes sense. It could be, you know, it could be a whole host of things. And are are there opportunities out there now? I would say most certainly there are. You know, I would say whereas they used to be everywhere, now it just takes a lot more digging to find those types of opportunities. That makes sense. Well, and actually, I don't hate that because if it was easy, 
everybody would do it, right? So it makes sense that like you got to work for it. You got to you got to find the opportunity. Well, th- and that and 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 again, this is my experience. Is that I would say you're generally with the properties that I have worked with, your rate of return on the property is going to be directly correlated to how much work is involved in getting it stable and also managing it. You know, and that's. You know, so that's just been my experience. You know, if you find something that looks fantastic and is in great shape, that's that's awesome. And it could rent very easily. Um, but the price already reflects that. That makes you know? sense. So there certainly are properties out there. You know, the, the, the real estate universe is, as you said, is a vast universe. So it's just a matter of finding, you know, finding what your niche is um, and then, you know, and, and knowing what you're looking for and being able to, to kind of search through and find that. That makes sense. Now, before we move away from talking about these single family homes, because I know this is a very popular strategy for a lot of newer investors. Can we can we talk a little bit through the numbers on like a broad scale? I know we don't want to necessarily like get too specific, but can you give us an idea of the kind of return that maybe an investor should have like or, or expect when going into a project like this? And and Tell us, let's weigh some of the like pros and cons of, of maybe doing a little bit more active investing with real estate versus, say, having an investment portfolio with stocks and bonds. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think with what you were asking there, there are a few different questions, right? So- oh, yeah. I, I had to make it a little confusing. <laughs> also, let it, let it be clear, right before this, Tom told me, he said, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a more of a numbers guy, but I'll try and keep it high level. I said, now I'm throwing you some numbers questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm def- definitely a numbers guy at heart. Um the uh, so limit so again a few different things I would say um, I, I would say a general kind of rule of thumb you know if you're looking at a um, at a at a commercial property um, is you can kind of use the uh, the one percent of the purchase price of rent per month a lot of people use that as kind of a starting point um, meaning if you're um, you know kind of asking about a good investment right well if you're if you're starting with a five hundred thousand dollar piece of property. Um, you would want the rents to be about five thousand dollars a month, you know. Which then, if it's one percent per month, that puts you at twelve percent per year. Oh, and wow! And then if you then if you okay. back out your expenses, are probably four percent. Then that would put you at a return of eight percent. Okay. And so again, um, you know, that would be I would say kind of a general starting point is just trying to say, okay, if I'm you know assuming you're looking for some type of rental property, which we're mm-hmm. talking about. Happy retirees, so generating a cash flow is a, um, you know, is a typical measure that they're looking at. So, um, starting with a one percent um, per month of the of the gross <laughs> purchase price, as far as a rent goes, is a is a good starting point. Um, typically, taking that one step further, um, if that gets you to an eight percent return, take your twelve percent minus your four, as I was talking about, gets you an eight percent return. Um, you're hoping that there's some factors in there that would make that rent grow over time. Mm-hmm. That's where you get to the value add component that I was talking about a little earlier. Okay. Um, which means that maybe it's a property that's generating five thousand a month, but you think that you can make some improvements to get that to six or seven. Wow. And that's where your, um, you know, that's where your, I would say, kind of your your levered returns start coming in because then you're. You know, you're 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 buying a property that you have the ability to put money into and, and gross the rents. And then if you take that up to your purchase price and you take your rents from from five thousand a month to call it seven thousand a month, well now that seven thousand is one percent of seven hundred thousand. 
So which means that you could then sell that property for a, a gain using that same formula. Oh, okay. Now that's interesting. Yeah, because I guess that's one of the big benefits, right, is that you've got not only a return coming in, but I guess that base amount that you can also increase the value of. Well, that's right. That's right. You're generally with a, any property, you're going to, you know, you're going to want an income return and then hopefully a, re, a growth return over time. Your income return is very easy because you're, you can, you know, you can actually calculate that today. It's like, okay, got a property. I know how much I'm paying for it. I know how much it generates. I know the, generally what the expenses are. You know, so you can really gauge your income return very easily. What's a little bit more of a mystery is over the a long term, what will I be able to sell that for? That makes sense. But if if your property is valued based on a multiple of its income, you know right off the bat that if you're able to increase that income, that the value should go up with it. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Now, actually, okay, so that brings me over to commercial properties. So, because we, you know, we've been talking about a little bit more of these single family households. Um, again, I know that's a very popular strategy, and I think a really good starting point for a lot of people from what I've understood. But I know you're also now in commercial, which seems a little bit, honestly, in my opinion, seems daunting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a different ball of wax, that's for sure. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more about it. How'd you get into it? How? Um, what? What were some of the lessons learned? How is it the same? How is it different? Well, the the how you get into it is really just a continuation of what we were talking about a little earlier. The you know in Atlanta, the single family housing market was really the first to to go into distress in the financial crisis, um, but it also um, came out. A little bit before the commercial market. Oh, that's so, interesting. Um, so you know, when the when the re- single family residential market, um, I would say, normalized, the commercial market still was under some distress. Mm-hmm. And so with well, and it was also at that point, I guess, commercial was also facing some issues with things like online shopping, which. Lord that's, knows I am a pro at. <laughs> that's right. That, uh, you know, there are a myriad of reasons that contributed to the, the, the distress, but. Um, you know, anyone in Atlanta that's living here right now in our market can tell you that the properties now are not distressed, <laughs> but they yeah. were, they still were at the time. Um, but as you're, as you're looking at buying a commercial property, I mean, the entire, as it pertains to real estate, the entire process and, and really everything is just quite different. You know, anything from beginning where you look for properties is completely different. Wait, why? What? <laughs> Well, in Atlanta, for residential properties, you use the multiple listing service. Okay. You know, for commercial properties, you use services like LoopNet, CoStar. Um, and, and honestly, it's and, a, it's and a much these, more... Are these services that anybody can, can look on? Uh, they, they can. They okay. can, absolutely. Right. Uh, so LoopNet, our LoopNet, yeah, LoopNet offers a free service that they could go to right now, just LoopNet.com. Perfect. Um, the... Um, CoStar is another uh, another site. Actually, I think they're also affiliated with LoopNet as well. But um, and then it's it's a more fragmented market, you know. So you have to rely on uh, realtors. Um, you have to rely on sites like uh, CB Richard Ellis is a big commercial um, um, listing realtor. Same thing with Cushman Wakefield. You know, there are a whole host of them. So going to their specific sites and and researching as well. Um, and and actually, you know, let's can we take a step back because you know I I know we're talking through all of these different places to find these. I guess 
can we walk through the different types of commercial properties that are available? Because, you know, with single family housing, it's pretty straightforward. It, it is a house typically like with a yard, you know, like that, that's what I think of when I think of a single family. That can go on Zillow. <laughs> I can, I can find my next favorite house that I want to buy. Um, commercial, I know there's such a wide variety. It's not all shopping malls. It's not all, that's right. that's um, right. it's not all, Office buildings. That's right. Well, you have office, you have uh, multifamily. So that would be um, residential property properties that have over four units are considered commercial. So oh, that's multifamily. I don't think I need that. Um, you have uh, industrial, you have um, now data centers, you have. Oh, gosh, um, data centers. I got to yeah. tell you, we've got um, we've got Google out in Douglasville. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from I grew up in Douglasville and um, they're da- like the data center is huge. And I mean, you think about it, you need that computing power for Google, like to like service all of like Metro Atlanta. It's it's huge. That's right. That's right. That's a very popular area right now. Um, you have all the retail that you were mentioning, whether that's malls, strip malls, um, um, uh, shopping centers that are anchored by uh, uh, Publix or Kroger, those types of things. So. You know, there there's a whole, you know, again, when you talk about the world of commercial real estate, I mean, there's a vast world just of commercial real estate categories. Um, so, again, finding those, each one of these uh, services has, would I would say, has their own niche. Mm, okay. What is your niche? Uh, well, the, the my experience in commercial has been with um, with office. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, with office. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, the building that I have right now still is a uh, like a 12,000 square foot multi-tenant, you know, office building. So oh, it's, cool. Uh, Wait, can you tell us some of uh, some of the, the maybe industries in there if you don't want to list specific names? Uh, there's healthcare. Uh, there is um, uh, actually another healthcare. <laughs> there's a vet. Yeah. There you know, is... these, you're naming all these things that like they have to have office spaces. Right. This is not a work from home kind of option. Right. There's a vet. There is a um, there's a nonprofit and there is about to be a wellness center. So, oh, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting. But the whole process is different. Um, you know, anything like I was talking about from acquiring and where to look for those Um once you enter into a deal, the financing is completely different. I want to talk through that because I think for our listeners, you know, if they're thinking about potentially taking the leap into some kind of commercial deal, what what does that look like? Well, typically you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna try to secure a bank loan instead of a um, a, a mortgage, okay. and, that, and that, that's the major deal. You know, bank loans are either a three, five, maybe a ten year balloon. Um, with maybe a 20-year amortization right. you know, versus a 30-year fixed mortgage. So, you know, I, I I like to keep things pretty high level on this, but I feel like we should probably define a little bit closer, like with the balloon loan. That's right. So a balloon loan means your interest rate is fixed in is fixed for a period of time. And so a typical, typical bank loan would say, okay, um, it's a prime plus one, call it. I um, mean, the interest rate is is prime plus one for a three or five year period of time. And at that point in time, you actually your interest rate becomes variable and you have a balloon and or you have a balloon payment due, meaning okay. meaning you refinance. OK. Yeah. OK. So yeah. so essentially it's like it gives you an opportunity for like a set number of years to pay a fixed amount and then you can reassess. And that's right. If you're if you're dealing with most banks. Um, if they're going to hold the loan on their books, they don't. They do not want to lock in a rate for twenty or thirty years. So they do. 
they oh. do these types of loans where where your oh. rate is fixed for three or five and then you have to refinance it. That's interesting. I never really yeah. I never thought about it from the banking perspective, but that makes a lot of sense as to why they wouldn't want to lock in. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas like with the mortgage, it's so set, you know, you've got they probably got hundreds, if not thousands of families that like they, they do this with, but commercial properties, I'm sure it's much less. It would make sense they'd want to fluctuate. Granted, do you think they're all kicking themselves right now because interest rates are so low? Uh, probably so. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. But they're dealing with things a quarter at a time. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how they, they work. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robert here with a quick answer to a question I heard recently. What's a growth stock? What's a value stock? What's the difference between a growth stock and a value stock? And while there's no perfect answer on this front, a general rule of thumb is a growth stock tends to grow their revenues at a faster clip than value stocks. The other side of the equation is growth stocks tend to earn less money in the here and now versus value stocks. So they get a higher valuation. But the real answer is no one actually has a perfect clue on the differences or how to define a growth and value stock. It's all generalities to sound very intelligent. For things like this, for our happy retirees who are considering this, would you recommend that they talk with a more local banker or could they do a national? No, that's, that's a good question. The, uh, you, are, you are going to need a relationship with a local bank to get a bank loan. If you walk in and tell them you would like a bank loan, they're going to look at you like you have two heads. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, they it, you definitely want a local bank and and usually a bank that's in close proximity to the property because that's what they're going to look at, okay. you know, is where the property is located. So if it's in Atlanta, Marietta property, then you would typically go with a local Atlanta bank ideally that has a branch in Marietta. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love Marietta. Let me t- let me take a couple of more iterations on that while we're while we're on the subject, though. The, so you you know you talk about the again we're back to the question. I'm just thinking the residential single family homes versus commercial. Okay, and all the difference is you know I was talking about the acquisition. I was talking about the financing. You know, when you when you talk about the value add projects like I've done, I mean everything from the contractors you use to the materials they're using to. Um, you know, all of those things are completely different. You know, co- uh, commercial buildings have flat roofs. They have acoustical yeah. ceilings. Yeah. You know, those are just completely different animals than, yeah. than single family. You're, another big thing is the leasing of them as well. I mean, you're not you're leasing them to businesses, which typically are going to require a three, five, seven, ten-year type lease. And do you build out the space for yeah, them? And have, how do you negotiate that? You'll have that? tenant improvements. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be negotiated. You're going to use a leasing agent typically to find those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just you know putting a um, you know putting a listing on Craigslist and and securing a tenant. Um, that makes sense. They're usually the leases are usually based on square footage. So you've got you know kind of market rates. So, so really the whole, you know, they're getting the whole animal is, you know, different, you know, it's a, it's just a different, completely different deal than buying single family homes and renting them. That makes sense. Well, so, so with that in mind, 
And again, thinking about our listeners, these happy retirees, these soon to be happy retirees, these folks who are maybe interested in trying this, where should they start if they want to try out commercial? Well, I think you, I think you start by, um, by just doing research on what's available in, in the area that you're, you know, you're, that you're looking at. Um, most individual investors are going to be limited geographically. Um, so I think it would be kind of scouring these various sites that we're talking about and seeing what's available in your area. Once you, once you scour some of those sites and get a general idea, um, then I would probably start talking with a real estate uh, broker. Um, and they're going to typically have deals or know of deals that are not going to be available online. So I would educate myself a little online, um, and then I would secure a broker relationship to, to move forward. Very cool. That's a great actionable mm-hmm. advice for mm-hmm. our listeners. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, let me ask you, how often, you know, we're talking about our listeners. How often do you work with folks? Because you work with a ton of happy retirees. How often do you work with folks who have either, you know, maybe like the single family home rental or or what does that situation look like? Or versus commercial versus, I don't know, like how, like maybe it's a vacation rental that they picked up and they rent it out a couple months a year. What, what does it normally look like when you're working with these families? It's a good question. The um, A normal, again, individual, call it husband and wife retiree, um, who are not real estate professionals, let's put it that way. I like that. Okay. Uh, would, would, you know, typically would have maybe a few houses that they rent. I mean, that okay. would that's what you more, most commonly see. Is it is it something where they... Um, like, where do they normally find them? Because I, I could imagine if it's like, if, you know, if you're upsizing and you're a good saver, like, do, do they sometimes keep like their starter home and rent that one out? That, that, uh, it's usually a combination thereof. That's right. A lot of times they may be a past residence um, or they may be, you know, a couple of houses in their neighborhood. But, you know, the main, the you know, I, I would say you kind of look at it from both angles. The main thing that there, that you don't want to wind up in is having as a retiree is having something that is a management burden. Oh, that okay. makes and sense. So, yeah, because that is that is a thing is, you know, you've got this great opportunity with real estate where it's so hands-on and you get to control it. But on the flip side, you're, it's very hands-on and you have to control it. Is right. it a good thing? Well, well, that's what most people that do not own real estate um, as an investment um, they don't realize before before they get into it. And, that, and to get back to, I think, one of your earlier questions – you know, a lot of people talk about it, but they don't do it because they start realizing, you know, that how hands-on it will end up being. So I would say the most successful, happy retirees um, that own real estate typically own um, a handful of houses, and they generally have an, a property manager that handles those. Okay. And, that, and, and I would add another component to it. They, they usually have very little debt on it as well. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. we know that our happy retirees typically have their mortgage paid off where they've got it within sight about five years. So it's true on the flip side as well for even these rental properties. Yeah, you, you would generally find that if if an investor has uh, has a highly levered piece of property, then their debt payment is going to be a big proportion, a big portion of their rent. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say it's hard for people to have a good comfort level to use that money as income when you have a substantial debt payment that you have to make. So, you know, the I would say the most successful retirees that are using real estate have, you know, have call it 
a handful of houses, they're using a property manager, and they have very little debt so that they feel like they actually have a nice buffer each month that they actually can use that money as an additional income stream. I love that. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, we also talked about, you know, not even just the hands-on physical real estate, but you, you mentioned at the very beginning of this a few other options for investments in real estate. Can we walk through those mm-hmm. and what those look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now, uh, you know, you have a proliferation of private investments. So that's become very, you know, very popular. You know, you have a lot of, uh, you know, I would say local or even regional uh, investment companies that are offering private investments. I know, um, for instance, one that just crossed my desk a day or two ago was a uh, private investment, I think, that had maybe five big multifamily um, properties in it. And so um, that you see quite a bit, you know, private investments. Um, you also see um, real estate investment trust, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. quite a bit, which are just, which are really nothing more than real estate entities that trade on exchanges. Now that boggles my mind mm-hmm. a little bit. Go, go, let's go into a little mm-hmm. bit more detail there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you take some of those, uh, who, who would be some of the bigger ones? Simon Properties, a big mall, mall owner that a lot of people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they own Lenox Mall here in Atlanta, correct? Uh, they do. Yeah. They do. Now, that hasn't been the best space, I wouldn't say, but that when we talk about real <laughs> yeah, estate, that yeah, d- immediately comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's anybody who watches the ATL scoop on Instagram can tell you Lenox Mall is a little hit or miss yes. these days. It used to be it used to be the spot to go shopping in Atlanta. It was it was uh, you travel in from from all over the state. And even I think I, I remember folks from Alabama, like I was talking to you one time and they're like, oh, yeah, we like to go over to Lenox Mall. And now it's like, ooh, yep. got to be kind of careful if you go over there, you know, like um, get out, go in during daylight, get out pretty fast. That's right. That's right. That's right. A, a, um, you know, an area that comes to mind that uh, is uh, there are a lot of different office REITs. Um, so real estate investment trust, you got Piedmont um, office, I think. Uh, the building that we're in now, I believe, is owned by Highwoods, who's yeah. actually a um, a public real estate investment trust. Right. So, so all right, that's actually that's a really interesting thing. So, I, I could own, I could be like Dwight Schrute from the office and own the building in a way if I invested into this Highwoods real estate investment trust. That's correct. Oh That's my, correct. y'all, get excited. <laughs> I am totally going to change up the locks and we're going to run a fire drill just like that episode of The Office. <laughs> Yeah, but there, you know, but there's a whole world of, uh, again, a whole world of uh, real estate investment trust in all those different areas that we were talking about beforehand. I mean, even something as simple as public storage. That's oh. a very popular one. And uh, almost everyone's driven by public storage or maybe even used a public storage unit. Um, but that's a public storage itself as a real estate investment trust. Very interesting. And then you just own it like a stock, but it actually, as opposed to owning a company, it owns investment or real estate. That's correct. Interesting. That's correct. correct. Well, this was so interesting. I loved learning more about real estate. I loved hearing more about what your journey looked like and then some of the success stories that you've had with other happy retirees and and how they've been able to leverage real estate in their own retirement. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go, though, we know here at the Retire Sooner Network that retirement is about way more than just money. So I have to ask you, what is something that has made you happy recently? Oh, oh, good question. Well, you know, it's it's uh, the end of the year, 2021. So we just had Christmas. <laughs> and so I have been in a very um, festive mood for Christmas. So Oh, I love that. Wait, wait, yeah. what did you do for Christmas? Well, we were here, but we had our family in town and oh. everyone finally is back traveling, you know, um, since uh, 
COVID is still here, but uh, hopefully we're on the other side of it at this point. Ooh, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Fingers That's right. Crossed. That's right. But uh, but look, I I get most of my uh, my um, daily life and my happiness revolves around my kids right now. So I know for some a lot of people that remains a core pursuit of theirs. Um, well into their retirement, and it's certainly a big part of my life right now. I have a son that is an avid golfer. Um, who I know I, uh, you love that. Who I, I love uh, following him uh, while he's playing golf. I have a daughter who is uh, just in the Nutcracker. Oh my in gosh, Atlanta, Atlanta oh. Ballet Nutcracker, which that's is fantastic. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because not everybody gets to dance at the Atlanta Ballet. That's yeah. awesome. Right, so I have seen the Nutcracker quite a few times this December. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and you, I know, lo- and you I... got the golf. You got to balance it with a little ballet too. <laughs> that's right, and I love it every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> and, and then I have. A, I have a, a son that uh, is into Legos, so uh, oh, so I've it. been helping him put together Legos. So, uh, and I have a, a beautiful wife who is enjoying every minute of that with me. So uh, that's phenomenal. So I, I look, I have a, a lot to be happy for. That's amazing. That's amazing. Great answers. I love them. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. This was so helpful. If you have any questions for Tom and you'd like to talk with him about real estate and how it could impact your portfolio, you can reach him at westmoss.com. Just go to the contact form at the top of the page and let us know that you'd like to talk with him. And thanks so much for having me, Mallory. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This is provided as a resource for informational purposes and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. The mention of any company is provided to you for informational purposes and as an example only and is not to be considered investment advice or recommendation or an endorsement of any particular company. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There is no guarantee offered that investment return, yield, or performance will be achieved. The information provided is strictly an opinion and for informational purposes only, and it is not known whether the strategies will be successful. There are many aspects and criteria that must be examined and considered before investing. This information is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment, tax, estate, or financial plan considerations or decisions. Investment decisions should not be made solely based on information contained herein.